Packers home for the Boston Red Sox on ESPN New Hampshire Radio, WGAM Manchester, WGHM Nashua.
and welcome to the stretch run here on ESPN New Hampshire. And as Christian said, I just made it. Here I am. But a productive day. Good day. Good day. That's all I'll say. And a uh, very time. busy day. Yeah, we made a nick of time. Plenty of goal clips to play from, uh, the, I think, must have been one of, if not the busiest nights of the NHL thus far. Better one so far. 13 games and a uh, ton of overtime. <laughs> yeah. It's out of overtimes, a broken stick winner, like just weird. In overtime, right? In uh, in yeah, overtime. Yeah. Aaron Ekblad, Florida versus Canadians. Uh-huh. Ekblad in the slot. Tees up for a one-timer. I'm expecting this rocket shot. I heard about it. I didn't see the game. And his stick breaks. And slow, like when I say slow, like slow trickling puck. From the slot, just rolling into the net. And Carey Price had no idea. He was expecting yeah. a giant and shot. As you he's... just said off the air, that's probably the only way. That's the only way you beat him. Price. That's the only way you beat him is if you completely it was funny confuse him. I, and I, take a I terrible heard, shot. I heard uh, Montreal radio today. I was listening this morning because I like to listen to uh, Bob McKenzie. Yeah, he's on with my buddy Connor McKenna on TSN six ninety every morning, uh, every Monday, Wednesday, Friday at eight thirty. So. You know, they said, uh, yeah, what are you going to do? Sometimes the breaks don't go your way. And they were talking about then last night, the breaks just weren't going the Canadians' way. Yeah. So, especially in the Bell Center, too. They're not used to that. Yeah, Because they get the ghosts of the Habs past. And, <laughs> yeah. But, uh, yeah, great night of hockey last night. And we've got tons of hockey to discuss on this uh, show today. Man, we've... Uh, this. The way this show started to come together, it's just one <laughs> after another. It was like hockey guests, hockey yeah. guests. Yep. So we've got a, a great lineup. I just was informed potentially, possibly, at 340. They're going to try to make it work because they went on the ice for practice about a half hour ago in Minnesota. Uh, that is the Boston Bruins preparing for their game against the uh, Minnesota Wild tomorrow. Uh, if they can make it work, the Bruins are going to get us Tim Schaller, of course, Nashua native, uh, to join us yeah. in about 40 minutes, uh, a little less than 40 minutes. Uh from Minnesota as the Bruins prepare for the Wild there. And, of course, Tim is having a great season thus far with the Bruins. What's he got, two now, three? I think he's got three goals. Three three lamp lighters and uh, But his contributions are more on the physical side. And Absolutely. The, and the defensive physical side. Physical presence. Yeah, and I'll tell you, that fourth line, I mean, I'm not going to say they're the best in hockey, but that's the best fourth line the Bruins have had since they broke up the old Merlot line yeah, of uh, Paye, Campbell, and Thornton. So, um I, I, I like the way they play. They play a smart game. They play a, a good two-way game. And Dominic Moore has been uh, getting some snipes. And Absolutely. So we'll uh, hopefully be able to talk to Tim about that and all things Bruins uh, as we end the first hour. But before that, we're going to welcome on a, a gentleman by the name of Peter Axtman. Uh, I met Peter. He's actually, ironically, from the same town as me. He's, uh, he's a bit younger. I think he's about 10 years younger than me, or maybe a little less. But... Uh, from Arlington, Mass., but I met him back in August. And for our listeners that were listening then, you might remember when Pete Shepard and I uh, raced out of here on a Friday, I think it was August 20th, uh, to head down to Somerville, Mass., which is right next door to Arlington, uh, to catch the premiere of Spaceman, the movie about Bill the Spaceman Lee, and hang with Bill Lee and uh, his crew down there. And uh, Peter was a publicist for the movie. Nice. So Peter and I were uh, talking over a couple of adult beverages, maybe more than a couple, uh, <laughs> after the Bill Lee premiere, and we just, you know, we got talking, and it turns out he's a huge hockey guy, he loves hockey, and 
Uh, he knew of my work, and uh, we've kept in touch. And uh, turns out Peter is starting up a quarterly hockey magazine called Barn Magazine. Nice. Uh, nice. Really cool stuff. They got a great artist to go with it, so they're going to have some really cool il- illustration in there uh, and some really unique content. And I've actually been invited to be a part of it, so I'll be writing for them uh, part-time. But uh, psyched about that. We're going to bring on Peter to talk about Barn Magazine and uh, – what we can look forward to when they release their first issue. And then, like I said, we'll try to talk to Tim Sherrill at the end of the hour. Second hour, we'll switch over to football. We'll play the, I know you heard some of it on uh, Christian King, but we'll play the Belichick presser again. Um, not too too much to report from nah, that. Nothing, nothing really crazy. They I did heard the ask- guy saying a lot, he said a lot about the secondary or? Yeah, they, I mean, he kind of went into the defensive struggles, and he really, what he really, the big thing that came out of it, which is no surprise, he harped on the Philadelphia game from last year with Chip Kelly being the coach of the Philadelphia I heard that. game. I heard that part, and he basically tried to on. convince us that they're a good team. Yeah, and he basically said, "Look, they 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 kicked our butts. They kicked our butts, and they they took it to us." And I don't know if I exactly agree with that. I think there was a lot of uh, imploding done in that game from yeah. the coaching stuff uh, as well, where they kicked their own butts. Exactly. So I, you know, he's. But that came up a lot. There was a lot of conversation about Chip Kelly and, um, you know, Bill. So that's the first thing we're looking at, and they're looking at the same thing. So really going after Chip Kelly more than anything, and he said exactly what you said yesterday about Colin Kaepernick and Russell Wilson, same type of players. Same type mm-hmm. of player, not exactly. The, Ka- Kaepernick is absolutely not Russell Wilson, but they're the same mold. Right. And Bill addressed that and said, you know, he kind of agreed with that. So nothing really crazy, but there was a funny little – uh, moment. Have you seen the Tom Brady uh, commercial? Uh, which one? The Foot Locker commercial? I have not. You have not? You haven't heard it? Nope. Oh, we're going we're gonna to do that right oh, now. Let's play that quick. Let's play that quick. We could greatness brought it again for the fifth year. How is it possible it keeps getting better even after all these years? Kind of makes you wonder what Foot Locker is up to. You know, that's an unfortunate mindset you got there. Tom Brady. Just because something's great year after year doesn't mean anything's going on. Why can't some things just be great? Just a question. Starts with questions, and then questions turn into assumptions, and then assumptions turn into vacations. So why would you punish the week of greatness for something that never even happened? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, pretty good. Nice little jab there at the Nice little jab. So in the uh, Matt Slater press conference, he hadn't seen it yet. They played it for him. And obviously they went into, oh, Brady's a great actor. What a great commercial. That was by far the best I've seen on Deflategate yet. That was no, awesome. That is great. The fact that he poked fun at it and it wasn't it wasn't like he was he was taking jabs. Obviously they were taking jabs, but the fact that Foot Locker was, you know, able to poke fun at it and it's kind of just become a joke more than, <laughs> than a, a story. I thought that was awesome. That awesome, is great awesome. stuff. I, I mean, I heard uh, it must have been played it right before because I heard Christian and King playing the Carmelo Anthony one. Yeah, they, they, Foot Locker's releasing a lot. They're having a big thing going on, so they're releasing a lot of these commercials. Okay, Brady was part of one of them. Carmelo Anthony, there's another one coming out later, too. So Gotcha. But that one, taking shots at Deflategate, that was pretty cool. That was yeah, pretty funny. Yeah, it is good stuff. We'll, uh, we'll, uh, we'll listen to Belichick, and uh, we'll see uh, – what our good friend Doug Moore, who's a Patriots blogger for ESPN New Hampshire, has to say about that. Uh, we'll ask him about that commercial, why don't we? And then um, we'll talk some Celtics to close out the second hour with uh, our own uh, Celtics uh, pregame co-host, uh, Jeff Hickman. will be joining us at 445. And then it's all back to hockey in the final hour. Uh, we're going to talk to uh, Steve Conroy. Um, about the Bruins, and we'll also get a wild perspective uh, from MinnesotaWild.com or Wild.com uh, beat writer um, Dan Ryan. 
will be joining us here on the stretch run. So uh, jam-packed show all of a sudden. It, you know, I was hoping Sully and I would have a couple open slots other than this to to yap about and get you, you <laughs> listeners involved. But once again, it, it filled right up. So maybe we will tomorrow. It happens like that. Yeah, we got to keep one open tomorrow. We got to <laughs> do our NFL picks, buddy. So. Of course. Yeah, which uh, not really much progress <laughs> uh, on my side. But what are you going to do? But, of course, tomorrow we'll have you covered with uh, – we'll start all our football previews for the weekend. Um, some interesting games this weekend. We'll have to look at more deeply yeah, tomorrow. Yeah, of course. Got to get into it. Uh, but yeah, crazy night of hockey last night. You know, the New Jersey Devils, you heard that overtime winner there, man. Yeah. We had Tom Fitzgerald on. Remember the assistant yeah. GM? Oh, of yeah. the uh, And, uh, you know, Merrimack Valley native here. He's from, uh, I believe, where is it? Billerica? Yes, yeah, Billerica, went to yeah. Merrimack University, uh, Merrimack College, whatever. And he uh, is doing a great job with... Um, Ray Shiro uh, putting together a contender, but I, I don't know if they thought they'd be this good this fast. Nine, three, and three? Yeah. That's pretty good. <laughs> Winning games on the road in that's, overtime that's in good. Dallas. Yeah. On a night they got Jason Spezza back. Um, but, you know, I was looking at that game. I was looking at some of the games last night trying to figure out who would win. And uh, I'll tell you, it, it's, a, it's a great – if you're a gambling person, not that I am or not that I'm encouraging it. Of course. But if you are – you might want to look at the schedules and see what teams are coming back from a long road trip. Because it's just – and it happens in every sport, right, Sully? I mean, yeah. they just tend to be flat in that first game back home. Absolutely. We've had yeah. this conversation before. I, I don't have any scientific explanation for it, any analytic explanation for it. Just happens. <laughs> just happens. But it's a common thing throughout sports. I guess the only sport it wouldn't really – uh, affect anyone in would be football because it's, there's a long layoff. Yeah, there's a long gap. You know, yeah. there's, there's seven, usually seven to six days between games. Whereas any show could be, it could be one day, it could be two days, or it could be a three day gap like the Bruins have now. So you don't, right. You don't know, but it, it does happen a lot. Teams come back from these long road trips, and even even if it's even if it's just one period, you can almost bank on them coming out flat. Yep, and you know. Sure enough, I think, uh, I mean, I'm going to pull up the scores now. So the Devils were one team that stole one on the road. The Dallas Stars were coming back after a uh, three-game or four-game roadie. Um, and I had the other teams. I forgot my list. I'm finding it right now. But I, I believe the Oilers were one. They might have been. Oh, no, they were home one game already. Um, but there were a couple of them, and they all lost. Flyers. Flyers. Flyers, Flyers lost. lost 3-2 in a shootout. Yeah. Uh, wild, yeah, yeah. Was that a uh, and that was a one nothing game? So and that was in Minnesota, that right? Was in Minnesota, yep. so Calgary talk about beat them. Flat one nothing game, exactly. There you go. All low scoring usually yes. too. And speaking of the Wild Flames, uh, you were saying Johnny Gojo, Johnny Gojo, yeah. got the winner, but he also now yeah. also <laughs> suffered an injury. He's operation, yeah. For he needs surgery for a broken finger, so not good news for the Calgary Flames there. And speaking of the Calgary Flames, uh. We were talking about Dougie Hamilton in the past couple of days Dougie and Hamilton the talk. trade rumors and all that. Well, um, per my same source uh, from last summer at the draft that yes. told me that they were fielding, not necessarily shopping, but definitely listening to offers and Taking entertaining calls. offers and seriously considering some, uh, it's going to take a not quote-unquote, knock-my-socks-off type deal. Hmm. I hope I didn't give away who that is, say yeah. my, but uh, knock my socks off type deal hmm. for me to trade Dougie Hamilton. Hmm. I will say that it is not the general manager. That is all I will say. Okay. 
Uh, and for you hockey fans, you know who the general manager is and you know who the president is. So do some process elimination. <laughs> uh, he furthermore said, hey, if the Penguins come to me and offer me Sidney Crosby, well, then I'd be a damn fool not to do it, wouldn't I? <laughs> yeah. But he was otherwise trying to tell me, like, look, am I going to listen to offers? Of course I am. I'm always going to. And, that, of course, that's what every, fans don't get. Every team does. Every team listens to offers. To yeah. You know, and what he hang did, up the phone? Know, no. <laughs> he, he's telling me this after he's been sitting around with other general managers. They just yeah. had the GM, GM meetings, meetings up yeah. in Toronto. You know, they're probably sitting around after the meetings, uh, dinner, having a couple cocktails after. And, you know, one GM hopes, uh, I'm going to slip a little roofie in this drink here. <laughs> hey, so uh, can I give you Dominic Moore for Dougie Hamilton? <laughs> you think you can do that? Yeah. Yeah. No? <laughs> Have another shot. Have another shot. But of course they're going to talk. Of course, of course they're they going to talk. talk. It happens. It happens all the That's time. That's when those deals are made. Yeah. Not over roofies, of course. Yeah. <laughs> but I, I, I'm just trying to say that it happens all the time. And he's saying, look, I'm always listening. But right now there's nothing out there that is really enticing us and it to even, make this deal. Even long term, too. They might be talking now, but it might get done in the summer. It might get done next year. It's just you build trades. It doesn't just happen. It, happened, it could happen over time. It could build into a bigger trade. Who knows? But right. definitely, teams definitely talk all the time. There's talks of it all the time. Anybody can be traded at any time. Exactly. There's very, very rare. There's a. It's it's very rare that you see untouchables yep. on teams. You know, very rare. Unless you're a Tom Brady or a, a star type. One thing everyone gets talked about. And one thing he did tell me that did go on at the GM meetings, and it's already out there in the news. Uh, if you go to NHL.com. Uh, uh, Nicholas uh, Katsanaka has a great piece there. What ha- uh, apparently there was really just a heated dispute out of uh, the dispute on whether to get rid of blindside hits. Yeah. Of course, there was a uh, a really tough one in Toronto two weeks ago uh, when Nazem Kadri knocked one of the Sedin brothers. I think it was Daniel Sedin. Um, it was a clean hit in the eyes of the rule book. Yes, but it was a hitting a defenseless player. It was kind of a dirty hit in in a lot of people's eyes, but it's still not a penalty within the rule book. And so they're going to try and think about, you know, do we change the wording of, uh, I believe it's Rule 49 in the Rule or rule 48, excuse me, illegal check to the head, uh, banning lateral or blindside hits when the head was targeted and on principle. Well, now they're saying, but what if it's it still can hurt somebody even if yeah. it's not the head? Yeah, I mean, yeah. Look what happened to Gronk. Yeah, of course. Yep. Okay, it wasn't ahead, but he's, he's out hit, for a game. It's right clean hit. <laughs> yeah. But do we protect players more? And, of course, the dispute is, well, you know, hockey's a physical game, man. It's yeah. a big boy's game. What are we going to do? It's a fast-paced game, too. It's going to be figure skating next? Yeah, exactly. You know, I mean, it's a at, fast-paced at what game point? It happens. Does, yeah. Now, if you go back, you Google that hit and go on YouTube or something on Kadri on Sedin, he's in the process of shooting the puck. Yeah. And... I don't like the hit's not going to do anything. He delivers it after he's let the puck go. There was a there was a good second after he let the puck go, but it's so subjective, right? And it's so tough when it's so fast, like you said. So fast pace. We'll see what happens there. You know, if we have time, I want to talk a little baseball too, and maybe we'll do that a little more tomorrow. But um, I was trying to get Lou Merloni to come on today. Of course, you know it's uh, the hot stove's in full effect, and uh, the the hot rumor today is the Red Sox are after Carlos Beltran, who they were trying to acquire a few times in the last ten years. Yeah, uh, he is now, of course, thirty nine, and people are like, well, what, <laughs> what are we doing? Here? But yeah. hey, he hit thirty nine 
uh, 29 homers last yeah. year. He still can contribute. You know, you put him in a park like Fenway, who knows? They need to fill somebody in at the DH spot yeah. now. So, uh, interesting stuff there. Hopefully, we can get some time to talk some baseball before the weekends. But we've got plenty of hockey talk, like I said. In the next segment, we will welcome on the founder of a new hockey magazine called Barn Magazine. And for those of you wondering why they're calling it Barn, uh, don't worry. It's not uh, some weird stuff about animals or anything. <laughs> uh, barn is what a lot of people in the hockey world call a hockey rink. Yes. Like, we're going to protect our barn. This is our barn. It's a hockey rink. So that's where they get the name from. And uh, Peter Axman, the founder of Barn Magazine, will join us in the next segment here in a stretch run on ESPN New Hampshire. So stay with us. We'll be back. Whether it's a pennant race or training camp, no one covers it better than ESPN New Hampshire at ESPNNewHampshire.com. And welcome back to the stretch run here on ESPN New Hampshire. I'm your host, Jimmy Murphy, Justin Sullivan, working the boards. And as I said, we're about to be joined by the founder of a new quarterly hockey magazine uh, about to launch, and it's called Barn Magazine. And joining me now is fellow Arlington Mass native, uh, Peter Axman. How are you doing, Peter? Good, Jimmy. It's always good to talk to an Arlington guy, especially since I'm in New York these days, and I don't get to run into many of them. Exactly, my friend. And uh, yeah, it was great. Uh, I was telling the listeners we met back at the uh, premiere of The Spaceman over at the Somerville Theater in Somerville, Mass. We had a good time over there at the burn afterwards, and um, and we talked yeah, with, a bit. With the, uh, with the almost governor of Vermont. The so almost we... governor of Vermont. Hey, it's just the beginning. It's just the beginning. <clears throat> when when Donald Trump is impeached, this country will be governed by the spaceman. I have, I have that feeling that he it's going to happen. He was a one-time presidential uh, candidate. He was? Yeah, back in uh, 88. Oh, my God. I love the Spaceman. He is great. And that was a good movie, too, for any of you baseball or Spaceman fans or Josh Duhamel fans. Any, any fans, a good movie. Just go get it. It's up on iTunes. Check it out. Uh, I enjoyed it uh, tremendously. And uh, But we're here to talk some hockey, uh, Peter. And uh, First off, I guess... Um, you know, speak to the listeners a little bit about your your passion for hockey and where it developed. Yeah, I mean, I'm, like, I, like I just said, I'm from Arlington, the Boston area. So when you grow up in Boston, uh, playing hockey is kind of second nature. Um, so I played throughout as a kid. You know, I lost it a little bit in college. I was out at UMass and uh, went to all the games, but stopped playing. And I picked it back up in New York after about uh, five or eight years. And I've been playing for the past uh, six, seven years here in roller, ice, street hockey games here. Uh, you know, but, but I've always wanted to do this magazine. It's, uh, there's a lot of great places that cover the day-to-day of hockey. and A lot of really good analytics places, but there's nowhere that we thought or we could find 
that give you stories that you can really dig into that tell narrative stories about characters, heroes and villains, stuff like that. So uh, we thought that by um, doing a quarterly print magazine, it allows us to really dig into a story and build it out in a way that's uh, really compelling and uh, people can really grasp onto. Nice. And of course, I forgot that's another connection we have. Uh, we both went to UMass. So see yeah, all this yeah. UMass? Sully. Sully's going to get sick of all this UMass every day. I'm, I'm bringing on UMass connections here. But, um, <laughs> and of course, they didn't have the best of hockey teams, but it, it happens. What are you going to do? I, I think I was there during the best stretch, the uh, Thomas, Thomas Pope days. And, oh, yeah. Uh, Jonathan, Jonathan Quick days. Um, so we actually made a, a little bit of a run. But, nice. Uh, I've been a little been a little disconnected from the team since I left and yeah um, you know I think it's uh, safe to say they're not in the best spot right now but I think this is a great idea and of course you know I mean we all know anyone in the media world knows right now that everything seems to be going online and it's uh, it's print is having a hard time and so it's great to see uh, a magazine like this uh, pop up and, and and give a go at it and I, I guess right now you, you guys are running a what's called a Kickstarter program. Why don't you tell the listeners about that? Yeah, yeah. Just to that point, uh, you know, there's there's obviously newspapers and magazines having a tough time, but I think if we shift our mindset and think about it more as like a book or a collectible, a coffee table, coffee table type book, uh, that's where the value of a print magazine is. So that's what we're trying to do. You know, we're not going to try to compete with an ESPN or Sports Illustrated. Um, and we think people will see value in having a really differentiated, uh, thick paper, uh, well-designed and illustrated magazine. Um, so we're right, we're now finishing up our Kickstarter campaign. Uh, we need a little help to get to our goal. We are just getting them talking to you because we're in the stretch run right now. Uh, it will end at 11.59 Eastern Thursday night. Um, so we've had an amazing, amazing response. You can read about us at a bunch of places, uh, but we definitely need to bring in some more backers to make it happen. Uh, we are about 85%, I would say, complete the first issue. Just have to wrap up a few more stories and uh, work a little bit more on the layout and getting it shipped and printed and all that stuff. Um, so we are super close. Uh, we are just um, you know, looking for some more backers to build the community. Now, this Kickstarter program, too, that's a pretty cool idea. I didn't even know about that you know, that was available for businesses or projects trying to start up. So I think that's pretty cool. Where can the listeners go exactly uh, if they want to help out and they want to uh, get this magazine up and running? Uh, the easiest one to remember is barnmagazine.com. Uh, and you can click off to our Kickstarter there. Uh, the Kickstarter link is a little more convoluted. So barnmagazine.com is the best way to uh, find us. And I should say, uh, you know, if, you, if we had been having this conversation 10 or 15 years ago, I would have said Byron much more like a Bostonian. I've lost that accent. <laughs> it doesn't, doesn't have the same barn. Used to. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Park your car behind the barn. Uh, you know, you, you spoke about the type of content you want to have and how being quarterly enables you to sort of distinguish yourself from uh, more frequent publications uh, or stories. Uh, we're looking at all levels of hockey here, right? Yeah, we'll do anything that has a good story. Uh, if it's Beer League to the NHL, KHL. Uh, so a couple things that we have in the first issue, uh, our cover story is Alex Ovechkin. Uh, I think he really embodies exactly what we want to do. He's a character, a larger-than-life person. He's a hero and a villain to a lot of people. Uh, so he's someone that everyone has an opinion on. 
Uh, but he's also an amazing player. We got uh, a gentleman named Eric McElroy, who wrote off-wing opinion for years. He's one of the first hockey bloggers, and he covered Ovechkin since the, since he came to Washington. So he wrote a retrospective on his career, just kind of put into place how we should think about him and how we should consider him, uh, giving everything that we know about him 10 years into his career and as he turns into the back nine. We've also got a bunch of different things that aren't star-driven. We have a piece about the KHL's expansion into Beijing, China this year and what mm-hmm. that means, both in terms of the, the league's imperialism and uh, the upcoming Olympics. We have a piece about uh, a human interest piece about a trainer from the Manchester Monarchs who had to make the life decision to just up and move across the country as part of the AHL's westward expansion. Uh, oh, cool. We have a package on uh, a lot of writers' favorite international moments. And then there's a piece about how the Russian Federation uh, looks at international tournaments, written by someone who's really tapped into a lot of people there. Uh, so it's kind of across the board. And, you know, the last thing I'll say is that we also have a photo essay about hockey across North America, you know, mostly concentrated in the Midwest and the Midwest of Canada, too. That's great stuff there. And, yeah, I was telling the listeners earlier uh, when I was uh, introducing the lineup for today, just the illustrations you guys have are, are very unique, and I, I think they're going to get a thrill out of it. Yeah, the one thing that's been really awesome about this has been finding a lot of talented people who love hockey and don't necessarily cover it or, illustr- or illustrate or photograph it every day. Mm-hmm. Uh, so there's, I think we have a mix of people that, cover the game every day and are really immersed in it and have an ability to step back and look at a story from a really different standpoint, as well as people who just bring a totally different mindset and skill set. So we have one story uh, by a energy reporter here in New York who's actually a Sharks fan, Chris by the Sharks fan. So he ended up talking to a bunch of physicists and uh, biologists, I think, about uh, the bounces that happen in a game and how they relate to uh, what people expect to happen in a game. So it's a really diverse group of perspectives. That, and I think that really differentiates us from a lot of different things. Good stuff. Now, you're down in New York. Whereabouts in New York? Are you in Brooklyn? Yeah, I'm in Brooklyn, home of the Islanders for at least a couple more weeks. I was just going to say, yeah. <laughs> Not somewhere. for long. Not for long. Have you been to games there? You know, I went to the two Bruins games last year, uh, at the beginning of the year. They put here, here three times, I've been twice. Um, have you been down? It's, it's a weird place. Yeah, it's not it's not made for hockey at all. Yeah, it's uh, it, it, this is actually one of my favorite stories to follow right now because it's just a total mess there. Like, like, like literally, the ice is flush basically, and uh, they have an all-world player in Tavares, and they can't find anyone to play with them. Uh, they're they're thinking about moving to Queens, back to Nassau, somewhere on the border. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it's just a uh, it's crazy. I mean, it's going to give them a little bit of time because the new owners just took over full time this year. Uh, we'll, have, we'll see what happens, but being at that rink with the Zamboni in the back, it seems like you're playing at, uh, I don't know, a high school game or something. Yeah, it's, I don't know, they didn't, it was very rushed, and obviously there was so many efforts to, to keep them on the island before, and it just kept falling through, but I, I, I just see that not lasting long, and uh, yeah, that's going to be an interesting thing to watch there. It's a good point by you with Tavares, I mean, he's a free agent, what, in 18, I believe? Yeah, not not after this year, but after next year. Yeah, so uh, he, he's he's what I mean. You know, everything changes in eighteen months, and he's he's pledged to support for the team, but for the life of me, I can't understand why. Yeah, 
Exactly. And that could change. I mean, if they don't get it together soon, uh, that could change. Uh, speaking of, actually, I talked to somebody with the Islanders today. I was just kind of poking around, seeing what's going on with Jack Capuano. And uh, apparently he's safe for now. But then again, that's usually the kiss of death. So we'll see what happens there with their coaching I mean, situation. Yeah, he's, he's also been there forever, too. I mean, it's, it's a, I, mean I know they were ascendant in the last three or four years. But he was there since some tough times, too. I went to see uh, the bees out at Nassau maybe five years ago. And he was there in the Islanders for pretty low back then so I don't know I think uh I know everyone's calling for his head right now but we're not surprised if they kept him on for a while because they've been so loyal to him yeah we shall see what happens but listen uh Peter uh great pleasure having you on here we wish you the best of luck and uh we'll have to get you on again down the line all right yeah, that'd be great. Thanks for having me. All right, my man. That's uh, Peter Axman, founder of Barn Magazine, a uh, hopefully soon-to-be quarterly hockey magazine. And I think it'll be great for the hockey community. So if you're a hockey fan out there, keep an eye on that. And like he said, you can go to their website right now and help them with their Kickstarter program uh, to get the, uh, the project up and running. Uh, in our next segment, we're either going to have it open or we might be joined by Tim Schaller. Nashua native and member of the Boston Bruins, who is out in Minnesota with the Bruins right now. They uh, should just be filtering off the ice right now from practice, so hopefully we can make it happen. But if not, Sully and I will banter around, and uh, we'll open the phone lines if we don't get Tim. So I'll, I'll save giving the number until then. Uh, so stay with us here on the Stretch Run on ESPN New Hampshire. We'll be back. We see them slide the puck inside. It's a 1-1 hockey game. Oh, the good old hockey game is the best game you can. Monday night, Thursday night, and the NFL triple letter. Nobody does the NFL like ESPN New Hampshire. Take it from me, it's good to be. Welcome back to the Stretch Run here on ESPN New Hampshire. I'm your host, Jimmy Murphy. We're alive and kicking here. And you know what? The Boston Bruins are suddenly alive and kicking in the Atlantic Division and Eastern Conference standings. They're having a successful road trip thus far, and it's taking them to Minnesota where they will play the Wild tomorrow. And just fresh out of practice for that game out in Minnesota. I believe they're in Minnesota. not sure if they're still in Denver or not. But just out of practice joining us right now is... Nashua and Merrimack, New Hampshire native, Tim Schaller of the Boston Bruins. How you doing, Tim? I'm good, thanks. How you doing? Not bad. Now, are you guys in Minnesota now, or are you still out in Denver? Yeah, we flew into Minnesota this afternoon. We got in uh, around noon and then uh, up on the ice right away and just got off. So we're uh, 
Wow. Here in Minnesota. Whirlwind, I will appreciate you taking the time and last minute to join us. And uh, thanks to Travis uh, for setting that up with the Bruins PR. Um, we just saw a tweet from some reporters there. Uh, that, uh, Matt Bolesky took a, a puck near the eye after, uh, during practice and left. Is he okay? Um, I believe so. I haven't, uh, I haven't heard anything from him. So, um, you know, I'm not going to say on. Right. But didn't, didn't like uh, hit his eye or anything, right? It was above. Um, I'm not sure. I I was at the end of other end of the ice. So uh, I still haven't checked in on him yet. Well, we hope he's okay. That's always scary when it's near the eye there. Uh, Tim, you got to be happy thus far with the road trip and the, and the recent player of the team, um, kind of. You know, in the beginning of the season, started a little up and down, and then Tuca was hurt a bit, and um, everybody's everything's sort of in flux. But a lot of players right now seem to be finding their stride all together at the same time, and there seems to be a lot more chemistry out there in the ice. Am I reading that correctly? Yeah, definitely. Um, you know, what we've been looking for all all years uh, for every line to produce, and um, you know, the past few games we've had that, and uh, it's showed on the scoreboard that success. So. Um, you know, guys, guys are starting to find their game and, and uh, sync with their line mates. So, uh, you know, hopefully we can keep that going as, as long as possible. Now, your line, Tim, I, I think, just in my opinion, has been one that's had sort of that chemistry for whatever reason. Right off the bat, it seemed you guys had it there uh, with Dominic Moore. You, you seem to really feed off him well. Uh, what, what's been like playing with a player like that that has so much experience, has played on multiple teams, uh, and really seems to be a, a thinker of the game, if I'm not mistaken there. What's it like playing with Don Moore? Oh, it's awesome. Um, you know, he's he's uh he's very smart about the game. Uh, you know, he he knows uh he knows how to play his role good and um, you know, he's he's transferred that over to, to me and uh our other linemate Noel. Mm-hmm. And um, you know, we're we're always talking on the ice on the bench, always trying to figure out what we can do better and, and uh things we can work on. Um, you know, he makes it easy for me to play, and uh, hopefully, I can make it make it easy for him as well. We all know, you know, how much you guys watch film and stuff nowadays, and how important that is. But you just mentioned something that I've noticed as well. Uh, you beat me to it a bit. There is the talking on the bench, and you know, I don't think some of our listeners realize how often that might have. Just you know, maybe give them an example of what you might be talking about when you get back to the bench after a shift uh, that you're going to take. And register away, and then apply on your next shift. Yeah, I mean, it, it could be about anything, really. Um, you know, for example, say we're going in on the forecheck. Um, you know, first forechecker goes to the first defenseman. Uh, second forechecker goes to the second defenseman. And um, you know, if maybe they're they're noticing that early, and then uh, they're trying to beat us with with a different play, then you know that's something that we have to switch on the bench is, is change our forecheck. So um, so we're not getting beat. Um, or it's like a three on two uh, coming down on offense. Um, you know, if, if uh, you know, sometimes you don't always always want to yell on the ice so that the D can can hear you and see where you are. So, um, you know, you get on the bench and you say, "Hey, you know, I, I didn't want to yell because I didn't want want them to know where I was, but I was there." So next time, you know, instead of just making uh, you know making a shot or something like that, you know, take a look over your shoulder and, and see if I'm there. So just That's little things like that. You know, you can always uh, you can always improve, and um, you know, it's just a lot easier when you communicate. No, and that's it's great stuff. And I mean, you get a guy like Don Moore too. He's been in the league for a while, and you're obviously younger there. Is he a good guy to be able to sort of uh, pick his brain about uh, opposing players that he's played against a lot? You know, because you know, after a while, you get used to each other. I mean, guys know each other around the league a lot more now. And um, is he able to sort of tell you the tendencies of opposing players? Yeah, definitely. Uh, you know, it makes it easy when. Uh 
when you know uh, if there's a weak defenseman in the lineup, so you can really, really, uh, you know, pinpoint him on the ice and, and really hammer him in his own, his own end. And uh, you know, Dom's good with uh, pointing guy things out like that. So, um, you know, uh, I'm a big believer in uh, knowing, you know, too much information is never enough. So, right. um, you know, I'll, I'll always always have open ears when, when he's got something to say. Good stuff, good stuff. Now, you guys already played the Minnesota Wild once uh, back in Boston a few weeks back. They they beat you there. Going back to that game, I know a lot's changed since then, um, but going back to that game, what did you take from that game about the type of team you might be facing tomorrow? Well, they're they're uh, a pretty good all-around team. You know, they have they have good team speed, good team size. So, um, you know, that's that's what uh, we'll have to shut them down, uh, slow them down a lot. Um, you know, they're going to be want to finish in their checks and whatnot. So, um, if we can do that right back to them and, and slow them down, just like they want to slow us down, and um, you know, we can uh, we can have success with that. And um, you know, like we said before, just stay consistent and uh, you know, make sure all, all all four lines are clicking. You talk about their uh, their team speed there. Who, who's one of the faster guys in that team? Maybe we should keep an eye out for uh, when we're watching tomorrow night. Uh, Coyle, he's he's a fast guy, big body. Um, mm-hmm. You know, they have a lot of players who are like him. So, um, you know, if we can we can have uh, our big bodies take care of them and, and slow them down and uh, maybe tire him out early in the game, then uh, we can we can take it to him. Did you play? Uh, did you play against him uh, growing up around here and also uh, in college? Yeah, I did. I played. I played against him for a couple of years. So, um, you know, I know I know his game pretty good. So, uh, you know, hopefully when I'm out there, I can, I can uh, take care of business. He scored too, right in the last game. Uh, I don't remember. I feel like he got one right out in the slot there. He reached around. I, I'll have to go back and check it out, but I feel like he did. But yeah, he's one of these players too. I've kept an eye on as he's uh, been filtered into the NHL. He's got a lot of potential there. So yeah, definitely a good guy. What about uh, Miko Koivu? I mean, you know. I'm looking at, I was just looking at how many years he's been in the league now, and it's making me feel old, too. <laughs> but, uh, like, this kid, man, this guy, you know, we all know about his brother from when he was at the Canadians, uh, be, watching the Bruins and Canadians games for so long. But uh, Miko is just one heck of a player, too, isn't he? Yeah, he's a good player, and, uh, you know, he's, he's a feisty feisty guy, too. So, you know, he's not going to not gonna take any hits or t- hits lightly or things like that. So, um, you know, he'll, he'll let you know he's out there and um, – you know he's he's got the skill to back it up. So um, yeah, he's he's a good he's a good player for sure. Hey, speaking of feisty fins, uh, you guys got one between the pipes right now that I mean, arguably could be, you know, if they if they did one at the quarter point, he might be in the top five there for Hart Trophy. Uh, what just talk to us right now about the vibes you get and sort of the the enthusiasm the team feeds off of Tuka Rask right now with the way he's playing. Yeah, I mean it's it's. Uh, it, it's amazing how much of a difference it is when when you know your goalie has confidence going into games, and and that's what that's, that's where we're at right now with Tuka. When, when we start looking in his eyes, you know you know that he's going to be good. So, um, you know, it makes it easy for us to play in front of him, and and uh, you know it makes it that much more uh, of a feel good win when when you win. Uh, you know, when when everyone when both all, all four lines and and Tuka as well are, are clicking. So, uh, it's been fun. One of the things Tuka spoke about a couple times over the last two years, and I, you know, I think sometimes he gets misread, and people don't take it the right way. They they look at it more as him maybe blaming the guys in front of him, whereas I, I think he's just talking about adapting because there's been so many players, new players, filtering into the lineup over the last two years, and now this season as well. It, it's just communication, um, and you know, we spoke yesterday to Mick Collagio, covered the Bruins for a while, and, and closing the gaps and stuff like that. 
when we when we speak about that a lot, it's usually more about the defenseman. Um, but obviously, you know too, it, it, it's everyone's involved in that. Talk about the responsibility uh, for the forwards to come back there and sort of help out in closing those gaps as well. Yeah, I mean, I uh, I think it all starts with the forwards. Um, you know, if, if the forwards are coming back strong uh, and the D notice that, they can have a, a better gap coming on the forwards. And, um, you know, in, in turn, they maybe have to dump it in versus get a great A scoring chance. So, um, you know, if we have our forwards moving our feet and working back hard, um, it gives the D uh, that much more time and space to, to maybe shut them down and, and close them off and create a turnover and, uh, you know, we're going the other way. So, um, like I said, you know, if our forwards are moving our feet, then uh, – We'll have good defense for sure. Now, Tim, I think the first time we had this might be the second or third I've had you on the show here. The first time we had you on, you, you weren't sure yet if you had made the team and you made it. And now you're here. You are deep into November, American Thanksgiving next week. I mean, uh, I know I know hockey players don't like to really think about the big picture, or look outside the zone they're in. But how good you feeling just being a part of the Boston Bruins right now, uh, this deep into a season? It's amazing. You know, I. I wasn't sure, like you said, where where I was going to be at this point, and uh, you know, I've, it shows that hard work pays off. And you know, I've been I've been working my butt off every day here, and um, you know, they're they're giving me the opportunity, and um, you know, I'm doing pretty well with the opportunity. So hopefully, I can keep this going uh, for the whole season. I imagine when you're out in the road like you are right now, a lot less ticket requests. Yeah, a little bit, a little, <laughs> little, little bit, a little bit less of uh, texts and calls for tickets on the road for sure. Has that been cool though? I mean, how excited has the family and friends been just to uh, to see you playing for the local team? It's awesome. Yeah, I mean, uh, you know, people I haven't heard from in, in a few years are are reaching out to me, and uh, oh, you know, yeah, it's always hey. good to good to hear from uh, old face and things hey. like that. So uh, it's awesome. Hey store, hey, store those names away. There might be a day when you need favors from them, buddy. All right. Yeah, absolutely. I'll be, I'll be texting them someday, maybe. Yeah, exactly. Listen, Tim, yeah. uh, always a pleasure, my friend. We hope to have you on again, and keep up the hard work, and uh, good luck tomorrow in Minnesota. Awesome. Thank you very much. Thanks for having me. All right. That is Tim Schaller, your uh, Nashua boy right here. He's a happy man. Good for him. I love his attitude. Yeah. I love it. It's, hey, it's just keep I think working, he, keep plugging away. I he, love that. You know what? And people not Claude Julian sometimes. Yeah. They're not playing the young kids. Just you got to earn say, it. Say, oh, he, he's, he's the most skilled young kid. Hey, if you work as hard as Tim Schaller, like you just then said, you're hard work pays there. off. Hard it work does. pays off. And I don't know why that's such a hard team, concept in this, uh, in this new age of yeah. uh, athletes. I don't, I don't get it. You, you perform more like Tim Schaller. Uh, it doesn't matter if you've got Wayne Gretzky skills or... Um, Lyndon Byers skills. You get a chance. No offense, LB, but you get you get an opportunity when you work hard. Like you said, when you work hard, it pays off. When yeah. you work hard, especially for Claude Julian, he's gonna give you the chance. He's gonna play you, but you gotta earn it. Yep. So good for Tim Schaller, and uh, I know his. Hopefully, his family's listening. Uh, they should be proud. And the Boston Bruins will take on the Minnesota Wild. We will discuss that game in further detail in the final hour. We welcome on Dan Ryan of Wild.com, and then of course Steve Conroy of the Boston Herald joining us in the final hour to close the show out. But we're going to switch gears to some football in the next segment here. And oh, by the way, I was saying, uh, you Sully, off the air, I, we, I, I should have played this uh, musician when we had Peter Axman on. Uh, yeah. This guy's name is Jesse D. Uh, I'm loving this. I, yeah, he's really good. I, he's right up your alley, man. I'm loving this. Yeah, he's kind of a throwback, eh? Yeah, exactly. Sort of got that... Swing it's era. Swingy soul. It's soul type. Yeah, yeah. It's a yeah. The soul and, and the swing and type. So my friend uh, Amy Grand introduced me to him uh, a couple months back, and it turns out he's an Arlington Mass native, just awesome. like Peter and I. So <laughs> we got all the Arlington connections going here on the show, and uh, the New Hampshire connections with Tim Shell. So stay with us here because the stretch one will be back here on ESPN New Hampshire.
first way. You've got to give me a chance. I understand. I realize. 